Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Faith FM. This is the Drive Time program. Welcome to Q&A. This is the program where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. You are listening to Fabiano Nioguru, currently ministering in South Australia. And here we are in the studios of Faith FM. We are thankful and grateful that you have joined us. Um, friend, wherever you might be listening from, I believe that um, you've tuned into the right station. You might be at home. You might be at work. You might be on the road going home. Faith FM is the station that I believe that we should all be tuning in all the time. Dear friends, Faith FM, positively different. It is the radio that uh, is here to inspire hope in the lives of all the listeners. Our messages comes directly from Scripture, and we believe the Bible is our foundation. And so, friends, this week we have been covering a number of topics under the theme, How Compatible is Christianity with Halloween? Yesterday we uh, delved into the issue of media and um uh, peer pressure and how that reconciles with, uh, or whether it co- reconciles with Christianity. Really, that was the question. And today we are asking the following question. Are Christians called to challenge culture? That is the question which we'll be looking at uh, together. And I have here a good friend of mine, Eric Hoare, who is going to lead us in that discussion. But before I introduce Eric, for some of you, uh, you may be interested to actually go back and listen to the previous topics and uh, discussions under this theme. On Monday, the question was, does Halloween have a biblical origin? And on Tuesday, the, uh, the question was, are Christianity and Halloween compatible? And on Wednesday, is the supernatural real? Then we came on Thursday, the media, peer pressure, and biblical Christianity. But today, the question is, are Christians called to challenge culture? Friends, let me introduce, first and foremost, our co-host, Eric Hall. Eric, welcome to uh, Faith FM, the Draft Time program. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Thank you, Fabiana. It's lovely to be on tonight. And hello to the listeners. Thank goodness we've got a warmer day today. Yes, here in South Australia, it's nice and sunny. <laughs> uh, I don't know about some of our friends from the eastern uh, uh, part of this country here in Australia. Um, I, I, I hope they're having a wonderful day too. But here, definitely, it's beautiful. Hmm. Mm. And obviously, uh, Faith FM uh, is live. Uh, throughout the whole country and uh, we encourage as many as are possible to actually share these uh, uh, programs with friends of theirs who might be living across the co- across the uh, country and all around the world. Uh, you know, Faith FM is a station that is here to inspire hope in the lives of many. And uh, Eric, uh, how are you finding the current uh, trend? Uh, I don't, sorry, uh, maybe we shouldn't call it a trend, but the uh, Halloween, Halloween, um, uh, season. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it? When you um, go into the shops, uh, some of the shops that have displays of Halloween figures, uh, uh, we've got a new neighbour down the road from us and uh, they put up these cobwebs all over the um, all over the bushes and on the trees outside. Uh, I was just reading in the Sunday Mail um, this last week that um, Halloween has increasing in popularity. Apparently 5.3 million Australians this year in 2023, about 300,000 more than last year, will celebrate Halloween. Um, and they will spend around $60 million this year on the things that we see like uh, costumes and uh, things they put outside their houses. So it is growing in popularity. Uh, mm. These are the times in which we live, and yet I think a lot of people don't know the background of where Halloween comes from, uh, mm. about the, the dead and uh, ghosts and things. And uh, as a actually years ago when I was a little boy, I used to go out trick-and-treating, uh, going around houses and collecting lollies. Uh, my parents would take me around years and years ago, uh, but I didn't know what it was all about. I was just looking forward to the lollies, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, it is a concern, and um, uh, it's uh, horrible to see these skulls around. I don't know how you find it, Fabiano, but to see the skulls and the witches' heads and the brooms and all those sort of things. Hey. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm struggling really to look at those things and I, I'm choosing not to take my children shopping with me because those things are, uh, horrifying. They're, they're scary. Yeah, and, uh, on, can't they in a way? Yeah. Um, and obviously some of our listeners may want to, uh, you know, share something with us, whether it be a prayer request or even, you know, comment on what we're discussing. The number that you need is the number zero four triple eight eight zero eight eleven. So please do uh, come in into the discussion if you like, and uh, this will really uh, uh, encourages as well because we know then that uh, there are people across the country who are listening. So yeah, it, interesting time in which we're living. In fact, I was reading something uh on the Wall Street Journal and I'll share that with you and, and and see how you what you think about this. Uh the title for this uh, article uh says Down with Halloween's ironic death cult. Um candy and costumes are fine but the day but the day like the world has become too ghoulish. This is written by Barton Swain. And this is what he had to say. This was written yesterday on the 26th of October. Uh, this is what he said in his uh, opening paragraphs. He says, I've never been a fan of Halloween. In recent years, our celebrations have become darker and more gruesome. I've started to dread its onset. Part of my aversion arises from my own um, high-bound, pre-modern Calvinistic outlook in which death is not laughing matter and necromancy is forbidden by God. In bracket, see Deuteronomy 18, verse 9 to 13. Forgive my Puritan sensibility, but I find the whole spectacle ugly and offensive and vaguely sinister. What sort of holiday deliberately terrifies children with images of murder and ruin and treats torture and death as a joke? I look forward to the day when this ironic non-holiday goes the way of a flag, uh, goes the way of flag day or 
Makilmas. I don't know what Makilmas is all about, but interesting. Uh, and then he says, I'm of course speaking only of the way in which all Hallows Eve, all, all, all Saints Eve, is celebrated by Americans in the 21st century. I grew up in the, in the 1970s and 80s uh, when Halloween consisted of trick-or-tricking, uh, jack-o'-lanterns, apple-bobbing, and maybe a viewing of It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Now, personally, I know nothing about that. Uh, but uh, interestingly, what I get from you know the opening paragraphs of this uh, uh, um, uh, editor is that these things... You know, they, they, they need to stop. It's way beyond, uh, what should be tolerated, tolerated in public. And death and, uh, scary things shouldn't be things that, uh, we celebrate. These, these are my, uh, initial understanding of what he's actually saying. Do you agree, uh, uh, Eric, whether, do you agree as to whether these things really need to stop or whether they should continue? What are your initial thoughts on this? Well, I think that, you know, um, society is growing more evil. And, uh, I think that, um, these sort of, um, celebrations, uh, if you can call it a celebration is actually celebrating the devil. Um, it's just, yeah. it's celebrating, um, spooky things. It's things, yeah. you know, scare young children. Uh, mm-hmm. and yet you see young children walking around with their faces painted and, uh, black cloaks on and things like that. It was interesting in the Sunday Mail to to read from one lady who celebrates Halloween. She said, I love that Halloween is basically just about having fun and I like that it brings a community together. Uh, with, <laughs> because she said it brings the neighbours around to see her display, which is all about, you know, um, uh, devils and ghosts and witches and things. Uh, wouldn't it be lovely if people would gather uh, at Christmas time or during the year to see displays of the birth of Jesus or uh, to talk about loving your neighbour. Wouldn't that be a better way to uh, bring a community together rather than these ghoulish things that are out there that bring children nightmares? Mm. Yeah, I, I I think society has gone too far on some of these things um, that... Uh, appear to be bringing society together, but they are definitely, or, you know, picking up the wrong theme or uh, the wrong uh, ideology, really, to trump and follow and, you know, champion. I just, I just think, yeah, society today is, um, is becoming very weird and very uh, difficult to understand the morals and, and the uh, line of thinking of the majority is, Somehow, in my own observation, it's becoming crooked. Uh, those are my, my thoughts, really. But it's, it's very sad. Well, when you turn away from God, when things uh, ha- start happening and people turn away from God, they turn away to more evil things. And that's what right. we're seeing today. That uh-huh. we're still celebrating. You really can't believe that in 2023 that we're still celebrating such a ghoulish thing when... Yeah. To, um, you know, have, um, uh, scripture readings in schools and mm. you, for who you pray with, you have to have permission to pray with somebody. Uh, there's all sorts of restrictions now on the religious world. And yet these things seem to be promoted in the, in the shopping centers or on air, uh, in the news. 
uh, mm. in around, and this is all coming from the the wrong side. This is taking people away from God. Mm. Wow, wow, yeah, we are living in a very interesting time, and the same author uh, on the uh, Wall Street Journal towards the very end of his article says that um, I think this was uh, uh, on October the tenth that he went to uh, watch television. Uh, he says here, yeah, I watched a national football league game. Uh, one ad after another appeared for Halloween themed horror shows. Um, images flashed across the television uh, screen of a screaming little girl and ominous uh, figure with a long knife emerging from the dark. A man, uh, uh, star, a man starring petrified at something out of sight. And um, uh, these scenes would have been terrified. Sorry, these scenes would have ter- terrified me as a child. Why are we allowing little eyes to see them? So those are the question. That's the question that he poses at the end of this article. And I mean, the things that he's describing that he saw on television are just, are just, um, they're evil. It's evil. It's satanic. It's, um, it is uh, horrible things that uh, that is being displayed. Uh, on um, on such public uh, televisions, it's quite sad. It's quite sad. But nevertheless, like you said, uh, uh, when people turn away from God, then uh, the next thing, obviously, is to really turn to the enemy, to the devil, and that's a sad reality. But what we are about to talk about uh, is life transforming truth from the Bible. And yesterday we touched on the point that um, uh, really we our anchor and our hope and our freedom is actually in Christ. And today, uh, Eric is going to take us now on this journey of um, uh, what the Bible says about how we should respond to some of these cultural things. But before we go any further, let us have a short word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful uh, opportunity to uh, be able to uh, hear from your word. And I pray that you may lead Eric as he shares, and I pray that we may find peace, comfort, and uh, find joy in Christ and the things that are good and that are morally right. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be with us, dear friends. We'll be right back. We're just going to take a short break as we listen to this song. And this is the song, I Love to Tell the Story, by Chris Rock. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and His glory, of Jesus and His love. I love to tell the story because I know it is true. Satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory to tell the old story of Jesus and his See 
by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back. You are listening to Faith FM Draft Time Big Q&A with Fabiano Nyonghuru and our co-host today is Eric Hall. And uh, I have the privilege of having Eric Hall lead in the discussion and Bible study on the following topic. Are Christians called to challenge culture? This is under the theme how compatible is Christianity with Halloween, of which we've been covering throughout this week? Now, friends, you may want to uh, engage in a discussion, ask a question, or send in a prayer request, or even let us know where you're listening from. Please have this number handy, and this is the number you can use to really interact with us. It is the number 4 That is 4 now, we do have a free giveaway this week, the New King James Bible with Mark Finley's study guides at the back of it. A beautiful Bible, which I believe that if you do not have one or if you would, if you know of a friend whom you would like to give it to, this would be the best gift. The New King James Version Bible uh, with Mark Finley's study uh, helps uh, at the back of it. If you want this Free giveaway. All you need to do is send to us that same number, the following code word, SA141. That is SA141 to the number 04888-80811. So it is SA as in the abbreviated SA for South Australia and the number 141. 
So please do send that to us, and then the Faith FM bot will reply asking for your details, and then we'll mail that to you. Uh, I believe this is a gift that you should have, the New King James Version of the Bible uh, with Matt Finley's study helps at the back. And so, once again, let's welcome Eric, Eric, to the program. And uh, Eric, what are your thoughts? Are Christians called to challenge culture? What do you think? Well, Pastor Fabiano and listeners, as Christians... Should we be reflecting God's image in all that we do? You know, we live in societies or cultures that we would have to call ungodly. How should, how should we then live in them? Should Christians be against traditions and cultures, etc., that does not reflect God's purpose? Are there times when opposing what is wrong is the right thing to do? Yet, you know, simply banning or staying away from what is objectable is not the most effective method of change. If we remove ourselves completely from culture, how can those who are lost hear of the saving power and love of Jesus Christ our Lord? Uh, Joshua twenty four fifteen says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And as Christians, we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's interesting when we look back through history and look at the Bible and what the Bible says about culture, that Christian history demonstrates that one of the constant struggles of Christianity, both individually and corporately, is with culture. Paul, for example, wrote two letters to Christians who lived in Corinth, a very challenging culture. Where should we stand? Inside? Outside? Ignore it? Become isolated from it? Should we concern ourselves with attempting to transform it? And as Christians, We are called to challenge culture, and is every Christian's example important? In other words, how are my actions influencing others? You know, the Apostle Paul was very mindful of this. In Acts 17, he had a real struggle with uh, the culture of his day, where there were idols, there was Greek philosophy, there were Greek gods. uh, And the background we need to look at first before we go into Acts 17. Paul's famous speech, a bold declaration regarding the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the men of Athens is in Acts 17. If there were ever a people who were cultured, it was the ancient Greeks. In fact, the ancient Greeks provided the Western world much of its cultural heritage with the invention of philosophy, drama and history. But chief among these cultural contributions was an extensive religious narrative developed by Homer, who was a Greek prophet and a poet. Uh, he talked about a vast pantheon of gods and a captivating story about where they came from and who they were and how they involved themselves in the affairs of men. This theological story would soon become a full-fledged pagan religion that grew to dominate the cultural and religious landscape, not only in ancient Greece, but also in the subsequent Roman Empire. This Roman Empire, who had adopted the Greeks' religious traditions, had also expanded them greatly until these pagan practices dominated the everyday lives of the millions who lived in the Roman Empire by the time of Jesus' death and resurrection. 
So that is the background to Acts 17. So let's read the Apostles Paul great proclamation of the gospel and see if we can pull out a few important truths about how we can engage our own secular culture. Paul presented his talk at the northeast of the city of Athens, Greece, is a small hill. This location was under Roman control, so the spot was known as Mars Hill and was covered in stone seats. This area was used as a forum where the Council of Athens met, the rulers of Athens, holding trials, debating and discussing important matters. And in Acts 17, Paul was asked to come and to talk to them about his God. So in Acts 17, we take it up. Uh, it's verse 22 to 32. It says, So Paul, standing in the middle of the uh, apparatus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of the dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising them from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you about this. So Paul went out from their midst. So these people were intrigued by what Paul said, and they were going to come back and hear what Paul was talking about. But there are four very important things about uh, approaching culture that Paul is teaching here, how Paul went about it. And the first one is Paul knew this culture that he was surrounded by. But we find in the early part of the chapter here when we were reading, it says here that um, Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men of Athens, I perceive in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. So Paul made himself familiar with the surroundings in which he was in, in this culture. And I just wonder, Pastor Fabiano, is this a way to approach um, different beliefs and different cultures and different practices by understanding where these cultures are coming from? Mm. That's a very good question. I do believe that in order to be able to reason with someone, you need to have an understanding of what they believe. In fact, you need to understand, uh, you need to try to understand them first, then you can reason with them. So I do believe definitely that there is merit in, and in fact, wisdom in trying to understand, uh, someone's belief system. And because you can see that in Paul's, uh, response, 
he began by quoting some of their own prophets. He began by reasoning with them from the very objects that they were worshipping and so so as to make bridges and then later on be able to uh, help them and uh, or look and understand and adopt a perspective that is actually um, uh, uh, biblical and that is actually right, one that would actually lead them to truth. So I think, obviously, with all wisdom, with prayer and with guidance from Scripture, uh, we need to find ways in which we can actually find a common ground so as to establish a, a stepping stone. Um, but obviously, there are certain things that uh, that one may want to avoid altogether because there may be uh, one, maybe two, um, uh, too evil, uh, too uh, contaminating, if I could use that, that word, uh, because some of us may not be able to handle certain things uh, because, because they are just too evil. So I, I would say definitely uh, finding a wise way to uh, interact with someone starting from the common ground is uh, the best approach. And it's interesting, Fabiano, that with um, the different uh, cultures, the different um, parts of the world, like I know in Asia uh, and uh, I know that one of my, my, a couple of my daughter-in-laws are from the Philippines. And I know that, um, that uh, when I met, um, um, one of my daughter-in-law's mothers, uh, I knew through culture, through understanding a bit about the culture that I would not hug a lady in that culture. Uh, because, uh, it would put her offside. It, she wouldn't be used to it. Uh, I know that in some cultures, uh, you wouldn't, uh, look, into the eyes of the person when you're talking to them. And all these things make a big difference when you're approaching people on in their cultural ways, uh, that this is the way they're brought up with. We we need to be polite and respectful, as Paul was. He was very, very polite in the way he was addressing these people who worshipped idols and those that many of them were against him were looking to bring him uh, to prison. Uh, yet he was respectful and uh, I think that's one of the things we need to learn as Christians is the different uh, cultures and backgrounds of different races so that we can actually um, be on tune with them right from the very beginning. Uh, I know mm. in some cultures you leave your shoes at the door. You, it's a sign of respect. You would take your shoes off before you go in the door of a house. Uh, mm. That if you wore your shoes and it's choosing, it's, uh, it's not getting on the right side. So I, I think this is the first thing is Paul knew his culture. He knew what was happening around him. And as you say, he quoted, uh, and that comes to the second point that Paul related to his culture. It's not enough just to know the various belief and values of a culture. As mm. Christians, if we're going to make a difference, we have to engage our culture in a way that will encourage others to listen. Paul knew this very well and demonstrated this important practice when he spoke to the men in Athens. He quoted two ancient Greek poets to them in verse 28 and even affirmed what they said. But what made this so effective evangelistically was that he recognized a grain of truth in what these pagan authors said. He used it to show how much more profound, how true it was, when understood through a biblical lens. So we should find ways to point them to Christ through their own beliefs and values, even though some of which are missing. So mm. there was try and find common ground sometimes to point them towards the Saviour and to look for those things that we can um, approach and uh, uh, make a difference to bring God into their lives. 
Mm. Wow, that that's powerful. But I, I've got a question here, and I, you're probably not prepared for this question, Eric. But I'm interested in your take on this. So, um, should we get acquainted and maybe you know get along with our uh, well, should we get acquainted and maybe put on some costumes of Halloween and so as to maybe try to bridge the uh, uh, the gap between us and some of our friends who are you know entrenched into the Halloween um, uh, celebrations? What do you think? Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> no way. Um, you know, um, a Christian in these last days will be different from the world. A Christian will stand out, uh, and be totally different to what is happening around him. When we see evil, uh, people should be able to see the Christians apart from the evilness that is abound. And because of these practices that are so evil, we are not to take them off. The Bible warns us about that. But what we need to do is if we have friends that are involved in this outside of, um, of, uh, Halloween, maybe leading up to Halloween, there might be times for discussions when we can mm-hmm. find something that we can, uh, that why they're looking into this. Why do they find it, um, a fun thing to do? Uh, do they think that Christianity is boring? Do they not think that uh, giving up some of the things of the world uh, is uh, going to make a difference to them in the life that they're living? There's different ways that we can talk to people and approach them uh, about some of these things outside of their practices. We definitely don't want to be caught up in it, but there are times when we can, and, and that's what Paul was doing. Paul was in a, in a place where, where in fact, it talked about in um, in uh, Acts seventeen. Uh, he said in verse sixteen, chapter seventeen, verse sixteen, just a wee bit earlier. It says, "Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to so many idols. They were all around him, and uh, these uh, Greek uh, philosophies. There were so many gods, yet there was Paul." amongst them, going in to talk to them. And he pointed out to them something that they uh, understood uh, by some of their own uh, supporters, by some of their own poets. Uh, and he, he, he praised a little bit something of what they had said. But then he uh, he then spoke up and makes an impact, uh, which brings us uh, to the next one, which is uh, what this is actually talking about in answer to that question. Uh, number three is, Paul doesn't compromise truth. And even though Paul understood the culture and the audience he was speaking to related to them using their own ideas and beliefs, he demonstrated his courage and integrity by never sacrificing the truth of gospel. He boldly proclaimed that the one true God is the very thing they are missing. He said their efforts have been in vain and they were all deceived. Paul demonstrated his love for his neighbours, including the leaders in this culture, by telling them the truth. He said that for all their efforts to cover their religious basis, so to speak, they utterly failed to find God and were helplessly lost without him. You know, he spoke boldly. He told them that they were uh, preaching, that they were worshipping the things of stone and jewellery. It was all in vain that uh, they were still seeking, they were not hearing anything back, that the lost God was probably the God that they were searching for, this one thing they couldn't find, they were lost without him. And Mm. today this is a difficult truth to convey in today's culture, and to be sure we should proclaim it with love and grace. But the Apostle Paul shows us the importance of the truth and the gospel 
and the need for it to be proclaimed as much. So what he's done, he's built a bridge. He's um, recognised them. He he's he's looked at their culture. He knows what's um, happening around them. He's quoted their uh, some of their believers, and now he brings in. Uh, talks about Christ, the one true God, and, and can actually is condemning them for what they are worshipping, but he's raising this idea of this, um, this, uh, uh, unknown God that they're searching for and say, look, this is Jesus Christ. This is the one from where we all came from, from one man we came from. Mm. Powerful. Mm. Standing there boldly. And that's what we are to do. When, with the opportunity, we are to turn their minds to the loving Christ the only true God, the one that he is, the only God that's ever been come back to life and has come to uh, save us. Uh, none of the other gods, um, none of them have come back to life. None of them speak to the stone and, and uh, made out of um, uh, jewellery and idols. These are the things that they were worshipping. Paul stood up amongst them and he told them fair and square. And yet at, at the end of the verses we're going to read, some walked away, but some believed. Mm, wow, that's powerful. Thank you so much. We are going to uh, take a short break. But one thing that I've taken, or at least have gathered from what you have just shared there, Eric, is the fact that, number one, we need to understand what we believe and stand firm in what we believe. And then if there is an opportunity, if there's something that we can use to build a bridge without compromising truth and principle, without uh, giving an en- uh, the enemy a chance to, uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess, deceive us, then by all means necessary, let's find ways in which we can actually find common ground and so we can actually minister to these people. This is powerful. Jesus did say, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It is this truth that these people in Athens heard and they brought Paul aside and said, what is this new doctrine that you teach? So friends, this is the truth of the Bible. Praise God. Now we're coming to a short break and uh, please do stay with us. This is the song we're about to hear, This Little Light of Mine by the Lower Lights. Enjoy the song and stay with us and we'll be right back shortly. And remember, we've got a free giveaway. Get that code with you. SA141. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. You are listening to Faith FM Drop Time Big Q and A with Fabiano Nyonguru, and our co-host today is Eric Hall, uh, who has been sharing with us um, what the Bible says about Christians or Christianity uh, and um, and culture, and how we as Christians are actually called to respond and to give a clear message to the world. The topic for today is, are Christians called to challenge culture? And this is the topic of which uh, Eric is um, is speaking under. And this has been uh, one amongst many other topics under the umbrella of the theme, how compatible is Christianity with Halloween? Friends, we do have a free giveaway, a Bible, the New King James Version of the Bible, with some study helps at the back, uh, uh, and this you can have, and it can be yours for free. All you have to do is send to us the code word SA141. SA141, just like the abbreviation SA for South Australia, and the number 141. SA41, send that to this following phone number, 04888-80811. Once you do that, we'll make sure that you get your free giveaway. Now, in the few minutes that we have left, I want to once again uh, come back to Eric uh, and uh, ask him to once again uh, help us understand how we as Christians should uh, go about uh, ministering uh, to those who uh, have um, uh, beliefs or views that are detrimental to not only their own lives, but even spiritually, uh, or those who are espousing um, satanic and demonic uh, beliefs and entertaining uh, spirits, of which, for example, is uh, being um, uh, done all across the world in this uh, month of October, uh, trying to communicate with the dead. So how should we as Christians uh, minister or witness to people around us who are caught in these things? So, Eric, any other um uh, any other uh, message that you you have for us? Sure. Just to recap, we've, we've learned through um, the reading today uh, that Paul knew his culture. Uh, Paul related to his culture. Paul doesn't compromise truth. And the last one is Paul makes an impact. What is the fruit of our proclaiming the gospel in a world that is secular and hostile to the truth of Christianity? By God's grace, we will make an impact in our culture. And quite obviously, Paul's testimony in Athens had an impact. Not only does the passage say that some came to believe because of it, but the impact of this speech is still reverberating through the kingdom over 2,000 years later. We can be assured only because of the power of the gospel, which can change lives and transform cultures. And armed with great examples like the one from the Apostle Paul, the early church not only survived in a remarkable hostility and anti-Christian environment, it flourished. And as our culture becomes increasingly secular and we find ourselves becoming marginalized as faith Christians, we should remember this great proclamation in the face of cultural opposition. Do our best to follow Paul as he followed Christ and engage our culture like he engaged this. And when we do so, we begin to see a transformation in our communities by the power of this gospel. So how do we show that to others? How do we um, live our lives as Christians and speak up and and walk as a Christian should in these last days. 
And I love Second Corinthians two fourteen to 17, where it says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. So we are to be an aroma out in the world to bring the, the joy of Christ, love, peace, happiness, uh, not evil, not death, not suffering. We are to bring to them uh, Jesus Christ. And Matthew 5, 16, we all know, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And Colossians 2, 8, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And see to it that no one takes you captive with through philosophy or empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I believe that the Christ-like behaviors we need to follow in, is Christ's example, that first of all, that Christ loved us and Christ-like people will love others. Secondly, Christ lived for us. So Christ-like people, well, they live for others. Jesus died for us. Christ-like people will put others first. Jesus intercedes for us. Christ-like people will intercede for others. Jesus forgives us. Christ-like people will forgive others. Jesus Christ restores us. Christ-like people will restore others. Jesus encourages us. Christ-like people will encourage others. Jesus is the only wise God. Christ-like people can't change others. Only Christ, only God can. Jesus is the only mediator. Christ-like people, we can't mediate for others. Only Jesus can do that. And Jesus is the only judge. Christ-like people, we can't judge others. So this is being Christ-like in a day and such as these and the, and what's coming up before us. We will see, we see it out on the streets. We see the, in, uh, if you like, it's, um, it's a spiritual warfare that we can't see. But in this coming weeks that we have ahead of us this week, we see that uh, being played out before us. We see it on our streets, the evilness that is out there and people don't know what they're caught up in. They don't know the background of what they're doing. They just think it's fun and pleasure. And it's a fun time, but they do not know the background of what this is doing to them. And when children go out to things like this, they will see the films like Harry Potter on TV and think it's fun, all about witches and spells and all that sort of thing. And that is the process. Their minds are transformed into following what they do not understand. Their minds are closed to the goodness of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Amen. That is powerful. And, you know, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus did say, um, in fact, I, I'll read it for you. It says here, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill. And that thief is the enemy, Satan. 
Uh, and Jesus says uh, that um, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus wants to give us that abundant life, that life that is worth living, eternal life, life that uh, gives you the peace, the satisfaction, and uh, the calmness that you need amidst the storm, a peace that separates us all understanding. And so thank you. Thank you, Eric. And, and in times like these where people are interested in death and communicating with the dead and all of these horrible, evil things, we should be out there sharing the message of hope, shouldn't we? We should. In fact, you know, um, it's some of these uh, fears that they had, have these seances fears and uh, where people come and uh, apparently can read your, your horoscope and all these things. Uh, our church actually has a, a stand there amongst all that where we um, have books to give away, uh, talking about Jesus Christ. They go and and they provide the the other side, if you like, of, of what's being presented there. And they're allowed to go in there. Uh, such a marvelous thing. And we can do that in our own lives. We can uh, we can stand up for truth. Uh, we can uh, stay away from from the things around us that we know are wrong. But we can all co- also proclaim the truth when we follow Paul's advice. Uh, he didn't walk away. He, he told it fairly and straightly. Uh, but he also got on their island, uh, understood where they were coming from. These are great words that we're looking at tonight. I would, I would encourage people to read Acts 21. Uh, it's a mm. very good thing when you're dealing in the midst of evil. Wonderful. That is powerful. Acts 21, friends, please, uh, take time to read that and you'll find this, uh, chapter to be life transforming. Well, we have come to the end of our program, but before we finish, is there any final word you'd like to say, uh, Eric, uh, and then we can close with prayer? Yes, um, I'd like to say that um, uh, a very good advice from Colossians 2.8, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy or empty deception according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, but rather rather than according to Christ. So it's saying here that in these last days, we're going to see more of what we're seeing. It's going to become more and more popular. We're going to see a world, as we see in the wars, such cruelty we've never seen before. It's happening now. The Bible is happening. The words of the Bible are being shown to be true right before our very eyes. And the evil that we will see on our streets, things that will happen, we will shake our heads in disbelief because we will recognize that what the Bible saying is true. It's coming to the fulfillment in our time, these things are becoming more popular. So we stand up. We stand up for Christ. We live a Christ-like life. And by living with him and being transformed by him, we can make a difference in this world. We can lead people to Christ because Christ first loved us. And we're still sinners and we're out in that world given that advice. We're not to pull away from people. We are to, to go to them and to share with them the love of Christ. Wonderful. That is powerful message. Thank you, Eric. Friends, I believe it is time now that we close with prayer. Some of you may have had uh, prayer requests sent through. We will definitely attend to those. And uh, if you have not yet uh, claimed your free offer, once again, the number is 0488-80811. That is the number that you need uh, in order to claim your free giveaway. 
And the code word that you need to send to us is uh, SA141. SA as in the abbreviation for South Australia, SA141. Send that code word to us and we'll make sure that you get your free giveaway. So, dear friends, that's it. That's it for today. Let us close with prayer. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the message of the Bible. We want to thank you for the powerful message that Eric has shared with us in that truth, freedom uh, comes from you, O Lord, and that we need to stay away from all these things that defile, all these things that are uh, of an evil origin, all these things that are degrading. And Lord, we pray that you may help us to be bold like uh, Paul and to share a message in season and out of season and uh, uh, minister to people and, sh- and share with them the gospel, the good news that Jesus saves. And Lord, I pray also that you may be those who are harassed by demon uh, demons and uh, evil angels. Father, we pray that you may uh, grant them uh, freedom. And Lord, we know that there are many others who are listening to us who have been entrenched into this uh, Halloween uh, uh, thing. Lord, we just pray that you may help them to understand that uh, what they are uh, engaged in or getting themselves into is evil and can only get worse and it can only lead them to a path of destruction. Lord, I pray that you may also help them uh, choose to do what is right and to follow you and to accept Jesus our Lord and our Savior. Lord, be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, friends, until we uh, meet again here on Faith FM, stay blessed and may God... This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.
Call